This is a message from the Word of God from the Tabernacle, the New Birth Gospel Tabernacle in St. Kitts and Nevis. Be blessed by the message as we were on that day. It's a pleasure for me to be able to come to minister to you today. Amen. And I'm going to tell you today from the book of Hosea, Hosea, keep your Bibles open to Hosea because what I'm saying is from the book of Hosea. And uh, I will show you the heartache that God had. In Hosea, it tells of God's heartaches. Heartaches. Broken pieces. As we go through Hosea, we are examining God's doings with a certain tribe. A tribe of Israel. You know Israel, there were 12 tribes. But there was one particular tribe that was giving God heartache. Lot of problem. Heartache after heartache. And I'm going to outline the heartaches that that tribe was giving to God. The name of that tribe is Ephraim. You will find the name Ephraim mentioned in Hosea more than any other book of the Bible. Repeated again and again. God's attention was directed to Ephraim because Ephraim was like the black sheep of the Israelite family. Now, let us briefly go through this thing. First of all, we find that in chapter 9 and verses 13 and 14, it says that Ephraim was the one that would do animal, sorry, child sacrifice. 9 verse 13 and 14 of chapter 9. Just as I saw Ephraim like Tyre planted in a pleasant place, so Ephraim will bring out his children to the murderer. Who will want to bring out his children to the murderer? Child sacrifice. He did not care for the life of his children, but Ephraim just sacrificed his children. And people are doing that today. They're sacrificing their children. Sometime, even before a person is born, they will say and they will make a pact with the devil that when this child is born, this child I will dedicate and sacrifice to you, devil. And that is why you find that people today have some problems because their parents made a pact with the devil that they will become the devil's tool and they will be sacrificed to the devil to do whatever the devil wants. And sometimes we have problems in life and we are not aware of what our parents and foreparents did. 
before us. But sometimes we find ourselves getting into problems. And we want to know why is it that I'm suffering all of these problems? Well, we have to trace our history. Go down the line and see if it was that something has not been done. I checked my own family and I discovered that my father used to have a crystal ball that he used to use for whatever it is. Only God knows. And I personally, when I was a little boy, used to see my grandmother. She would be talking to the sun, the moon, and the stars. And according to what I was told, she was one that used to perform on stage with live snakes. I did not know all of this, <clears throat> but after I got converted and I learned these things, you see, I was the first one to get converted in the family. And when I learned these things, I say, we got to break that yoke. Whatever our parents and grandparents did, it can continue in the family. We have got to break it. I don't know why God chose me a 12-year-old boy. And I wasn't the eldest. I wasn't the youngest. I was somewhere in the middle. But God decided to call me first. And thank God by his grace. I say by his grace. Because of what the Lord has done for me. All my brothers and sisters and my mother, they came to the knowledge of the truth and they have been serving the Lord. Some of them have become preachers and so on, pastors and missionaries, etc. It started because God opened my eyes to see certain things as I traced the genealogy. And I saw what the devil was doing. So it is important that if you find that things are not going well, consider whether this might have been a problem in the family line. However, this was the first indictment that God gave against Ephraim. Ephraim was doing child sacrifice. And God said to him, look, <clears throat> because you are doing child sacrifice, I am going to put a spoke in your wheels now. Yes, I am going to cause you to have miscarriage. And I am going to dry up your breasts so that you don't have any milk for the infant. Oh, you know, it, that was in the Bible. <clears throat> that is in the Bible. Look at uh, verses. Uh, look at verse number 14 of chapter number 9. Oh, it's very, very, very interesting. That God is working... God is working against what Ephraim was doing. Verse number 14. Give them, O Lord, what will you give them? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. God will cause Ephraim not to be able to bring forth more children. You're going to have miscarriages. And you will not be able to suckle at the breast because I'm going to dry up the milk. There will be no milk. So you see, God, when people go against God, God will always find a way of getting his own way. 
that was the first heartache that Ephraim gave to God. The second heartache is found in chapter 8, verse 11. This heartache is Ephraim has made many altars for sin. In chapter 12 and verse 14, Ephraim has provoked the Lord to anger most bitterly. And in chapter 4, verse 17, Ephraim is joined to idols, idolatry. Ephraim decides that he will join himself to idols. He will worship the false gods. And he denounced the God who said, Thou shalt have no other God but me. He had no regard for God. And he decided that he will practice idolatry. That was provoking to God. You know, sometimes people can go so far as to provoke God with the way the things they do, you know. The things they do can really, really provoke God. Well, the third indictment is found in chapter 6. It says in verse number 4, talking to Ephraim, your goodness is like the morning cloud and like the early dew. This is fleeting goodness. It doesn't last. Just as the dew comes and when the sun comes up, the dew dissipates. So your goodness is only for a while. It does not last for long. Oh, my God, have mercy. Goodness, when the Jew is there, but when the Jew has gone, the goodness evaporates. Have you ever come across people like that? They are good only when things seem to be bright and beautiful. The early morning dew is the time when the flowers smell so lovely. And the fragrance of the early morning dew brings out the fragrance of the roses. But when the sun comes up, the fragrance goes. The dew dissipates. Your goodness, Ephraim, is like the early morning dew. Fleeting goodness. That was the fourth indictment. The third one. Now the fourth indictment is found in chapter 7 and verse 11. Ephraim is a silly dove without sense. And in chapter 5 and verse 11, the same is repeated. Ephraim is a silly dove without sense. That, you know, a dove that doesn't have sense. A dove is supposed to be a a meek bird. If you chase it away, it will not come back. You see? That is why the Holy Spirit sometimes is likened to a dove. If we treat him badly and we don't regard him like a dove, he leaves. Gentle as the dove. But God says Ephraim is a silly dove, doesn't have sense. He lacks divine perception. He doesn't know how to behave. Well, 
When he is not wanted, he doesn't know how to behave. He is a silly dove without sense, and people take advantage over him. He lends himself to that. He lacks divine perceptive. And people who don't have divine perceptive, people will take advantage over you. They think that you are stupid. They think that you are nuts. They think that you don't have common sense. And they tread upon that. Ephraim was just like that. Silly. Silly dove. Harmless as a dove. Ephraim was harmless. And those that had to do with him, they were harmful. And they were trying to do all sorts of things with Ephraim. And Ephraim could not see. His eyes were blinded. He couldn't see. He lacked divine perception. Let us pray that God will give us divine perception. If it happened one time, and it happened a second time, don't let it happen the third time. Right? Two times is the most. Sometimes one is good enough. But don't let it happen a second or a third time. You see, the people of God should be like Isaacar, who had divine perception. That was the fourth indictment. The fifth indictment is found in chapter 8 and the second part of verse 9. It says that Ephraim has hired lovers. Oh my God, hired lovers. You're hiring lovers. Wow, look at that. Ephraim, what is your problem? Ephraim, pull yourself together. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Prostitution. Unscrupulous dating. Prostitution. No, he, Ephraim is not, doesn't consider the character of the persons or anything of the sort, but dates with anybody, goes with anybody, and hires lovers. Oh, God have mercy. Do you know people like that in St. Kitts? They pay for sex. They pay, they pay. Right? If they want to have a fling and you tell them you don't have money, they got some of them will pay for you to have an affair with them. Men and women, they do that. And that was the problem of Ephraim. You see why he was causing God heartache? Heartache. Number six. The sixth indictment. Chapter 12 and verse 1. It is saying there that Ephraim is feeding on wind. W-I-N-D. Wind. Feeding on wind. What nourishment is there in wind? But Ephraim is feeding on wind. Oh, that is what we call spiritual malnutrition. Feeding on wind. Oh my God. An empty bag cannot stand up. But Ephraim was feeding on wind. And the thing about some people is that when you see them in this pitiful situation and you try to help them, they say, leave me alone. I am all right. I am all right. Yeah. They are willingly malnourished. 
because they're going to feed on wind in January to December. And you see them getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And you say, oh, brother, sister, how are you losing weight? What happened? You sick? Leave me alone. Don't mind my business. Mind your own business. They are feeding on wind. If you have never met people like that, someday you might meet some of them in St. Kitts. If you don't meet them in St. Kitts, you might meet some in Nevis. Feeding on, meat, on wind. They don't want you to mind their business. Out of concern, you see them losing weight. And you say, how come this person is getting thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner all the time? And they don't even seem to have any interest in that. Feeding on wind. That was the sixth indictment. The seventh indictment is found in chapter 8 and verse 9. Oh, this is terrible. Gray hairs are here and there on Ephraim, yet he does not know it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Gray hairs are coming out on him, and he doesn't even know he has gray hairs. Wow. One morning, he wakes up, and he says, oh, my, my head is full of gray hairs. But it, gray hairs don't just happen like that. All the time, the gray hairs were coming out, coming out, coming out more and more and more. And some people don't know that they have gray hair until the head is full of gray hairs. Gray hairs are here and there upon him, and he does not know it. This is what we call tragic and unnecessary ignorance. When changes begin to take place in our lives, we must quickly be able to identify and pinpoint those changes. And if some changes are not what they are supposed to be, we can take action. Well, for gray hair, sometimes you can't do anything about that because some people will probably dye their hair and so on. But at least we must be aware that we are starting to age when we see the gray hairs coming up for our own information. Even if we don't want to dye our hair, at least be aware that gray hair is coming. You are getting old. But you see, this tribe was behaving young all the time, trying to attract lovers, courting lovers, getting old and gray hairs is coming up, and he doesn't even know that the gray hairs are there on him. Oh, my God, have mercy. Have mercy. Yes. Ignorance indeed. Yes. The next one will shock you. That is number eight. In chapter seven and verse nine, it says, Strangers have devoured his strength, but he does not know it. Strangers have devoured the strength of Ephraim, yet he does not know it. You know, when I was preparing this message, I was thinking about Samson. His strength did not, his strength was going, but he did not know until a certain time when he thought that he'll get up and he'll shake himself. And he will go against those Philistines. But it was a big mistake. 
because his strength had been taken away from him and he did not know. All he was telling himself, I am going to shake myself up and I will go against them and do to them what I did as at other times. Well, strangers, these are not family people you know. These are not family people. They are strangers. Strangers devouring your strength. They use you for what they can get from you. They make friends with you and hug you nicely and speak nice words to get certain things from you. And when they get what they want from you, they kick you and let you go your way. Have you ever seen people like that? But yet, although some people get that sort of treatment, they still go back. They still go back. They are being treated like a football and they still go back. I like him so much I can't leave him. I love him so much. I can't leave him. It happened one time. It happened the second time. The third child. And so on, fourth and fifth. And he beating her up. And she still don't want to leave him. Oh, Lord have mercy. And he lies down in his bed and he sleeps all day. And you with your three and four children, you got to go out and look for some work to feed your children. And when you get some food for the children, the man get up from bed and he eating out the children's food. And he asked him, lend me a small piece. Oh my God. Strangers have devoured his strength. You see, you see, all of this is in Hosea. And it is with one particular tribe, Ephraim. This was the black sheep of the family. And it was hurting God very much. It was distressing God so much. Can we take another one? I know I'm supposed to be brief. So I, I'm, I'm trying to move through fast. Because I'm told I must be brief. Number nine. The ninth indictment is found... In chapter 7, from verse 8. Chapter 7, from verse 8. What does it say here? Ephraim has mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. He makes himself among the people, and he is a cake not torn. The cake looks nice outside, smells nice. I even have some icing on it, you know. And you say, I'm going to enjoy some nice icing cake. But when you cut the cake and you look inside, it's as raw. It's right and baked properly. The heat did not penetrate. Only the top baked and looked nice. But the inside, the core of it, is as raw as ever. The cake is not turned. It's not baked. It is not exposed to the full heat. And so, it is not done properly. This is what I will call incomplete sanctification. Incomplete sanctification. 
There are some people that look good on the outside. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Brother, how are you, brother? God bless you. Yeah, they look good. They have a lot of religious talk, you know. And you say, ah, that's a nice Christian, you know. That's a lovely Christian. But when you get a little closer to that person, yeah, then you realize that only on the outside is nice and beautiful, but the inside is different. You know, that reminds me of Jesus, you know. When he was preaching to a certain set of people, he says, outside, you are whitest sepulchers, but inside, you are full of dead men's bones. So, never judge from the outside. Never judge from the outside. Check the inside. Or else you will be deceived. Amen. Yes, incomplete sanctification. You see, some people are very, very good at certain disciplines, but they are poor at other disciplines. They can be good singers. They can sing all the Joseph Nile songs. They are very, very good. But when it comes to living the life that you sing about in the song, it's another thing. I'm going to live this life I sing about in my song. And you know, when they're playing the song, they put the, the, the stereo loud for the whole neighborhood to hear that they are religious. On Sunday morning, they put it, they blasting away. Ha! Ah. And people say, wow, that must be a holy, holy Christian. But I tell you, I tell you, some people are good on the outside, but the inside. You know, sometimes, sometimes I hear some people say, if you provoke me, you're going to see the other side of me. <laughs> Oh my God. What God wants is that we should have an all rounded development. Through and through, when the Holy Spirit comes and He sanctifies us. It must not just be a, an outward thing. Just because we can pray in tongues, people think we are spiritual. But it must be within the deepest recesses of our hearts. Let it sink in. Let it soak in. Let the spirit move deep, 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 deep down. That is why the Bible says <clears throat> that the word of the Lord is, it goes down to the marrows and to the bones. Now the marrows and the bones are the deepest parts of the body, right? You pass through the, the outer part, the flesh, the, um, the skin, then you go to the flesh. Okay, you got some subcutaneous tissues, right? You go down to the flesh and cartilage and gristle and all of those things. And then you go down to the bone. And when you get to the bone, you got to go down to the center of the bone. 
And in the center of the bone is where you have the marrow. Right? So you see, all of these other structures you have to go through to reach the marrow. And the marrow is the real essence of the bone. And the Bible says the word of the Lord is able to penetrate to the joints and to the marrows. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That means before I think something, the Lord knows it already. Before it enters into my mind, the Lord knows it already. The intentions... God knows it already. He can discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So we can't fool God. I was hearing a humorous story between two persons. They were at the altar and they were praying. And the one, one man was saying to the other one, what one man was, as they were praying, one man was saying, Lord... If you help me and you help me to get through with this thing, I'm going to give you 50,000. I'm going to give you 50,000. And the other one near to him says, Hey man, you stupid. So much you're going to give God. And the fourth one says, don't bother with that. I only fool in him. <laughs> so... Incomplete sanctification. And let me, let me hasten to close with the last one. And this is that in chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, it tells us that Ephraim does not even know his true father. He rejected the fatherhood of God. And God had said to him, you know, Ephraim, since you were a little, little child, I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms. Since he was a little child, I taught him to walk. I used to hold his hands. I stooped down and feed him. And now he doesn't even know me as his father. In gratitude to parental care. I can go on and on, but I'm going to stop here. That we might contemplate. Now, how, how did God treat this, this black sheep of the family? You know, God, one thing I like with the Lord is that the Lord is patient, number one. Even when the Lord is grieved with our behavior, the Lord is patient. You know? And sometimes he gives people a second chance like he did with Jonah. You know? When Jonah did wrong and he ran away from God, God gave him a second chance. Okay. So God said, look, <clears throat> I know that Ephraim has been joined to his idols. I know that Ephraim has hired lovers. I know that Ephraim is feeding on the wind. I know that Ephraim has gray hairs here and there and he doesn't even know. And strangers have devoured his strength. I know that Ephraim is like a cake that has not been turned. And I know that Ephraim is involved in child sacrifice. I know all of these things about Ephraim. But here, 
I am not going to let Ephraim go like that. He came out of my bowels. And I am going to get him back. Some people will say, well, look, if you want to go, you want to go. Legal, you learn a lesson. Legal, learn a lesson. But you see, God has a way of pursuing us. Right? God may, God may give us a little edge. You know what they call edge? A little thing on the rope. You know, and he allow you to keep going, the leash, and you keep going and going. And you feel, ah, I got my liberty, I got my freedom. But there is a point where the Lord begins to pull. And when you get that jock, when you get that jock, you must know that God getting serious now. It's God's time. Yes. So God says, look. I'm not going to let up on Ephraim because I made a promise to Israel. Israel is my chosen people. And though Israel has messed up, I have a way of bringing them back to me. That is why you find that the nation of Israel has been scattered all over the world in all the different lands and so on. But the, the people of Israel are going back to their land because they are the chosen people of God. And the blessings of the world are bound up with Israel. He that blesses Israel would be blessed. And he that curses Israel would be cursed. Because when God made a promise to Israel, uh, to Abraham, about his seed will be blessed... It was an unconditional promise. And no matter what they do, God will eventually bring them back into their homeland and have them reinstated. And here is God's promise. In chapter 14, from verse 4 to 8, that, that's very interesting. That is what God is saying. Oh, Israel. Return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. So God is saying that he will have mercy on his people, even though his people have messed up. Look in chapter 11, verses 8 and 9. God is wooing Ephraim. He says, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? I can't give you up. I can't hand you over. That is the good part of it. That is the encouraging part of it. Because even though people mess up, there is coming a day of restoration. When all things will come back to what they're supposed to be. And these are the last days in which we are living. And all those who are walloping in sin and so on, God will bring them back. They will come back. Praise God. In chapter 11, verses 8 and 9, it says, it says, My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man. I am the Holy One in the midst, and I will not come with terror. They shall walk after the Lord. So the Lord is saying, 
is that he will bring Ephraim back to himself. There will be a time of healing. Chapter number 11 and verse 9 tells of the fact that Ephraim will be what his name meant him to be. The name Ephraim means fruitfulness, fertility, productiveness, and that will be realized. Ephraim got a good name, but he was not living up to his name. And God was going to see to it that he would bring back Ephraim. And when he brings back Ephraim, Ephraim will become a fruitful vine. Yes. Ephraim will not again be what he used to be. He will be healed and he will be fruitful according to chapter 14 verses 4 to 8. So, this is the message. This is the message. <clears throat> In verse 15, Though he is fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. The wind of the Lord shall come from the wilderness. Yes, and God is going to make Ephraim what his name signifies, a fruitful vine. Chapter 14 and verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love him freely. For my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the Jew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree. And his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under the shadow, they shall return. They shall be revived. And grow like a vine. And then, finally, God is addressing Ephraim in verse number 8 of chapter 14. Ephraim, what shall I say? What shall I do anymore with I? What shall I, what shall I have to do anymore with idols? I have heard and observed. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. So when all the wanderings are over, when all the distresses are past, eventually God will have pleasure in Ephraim because Ephraim will be living up to his name. Fruitful, fertile, productive. And that is what God wants. Maybe this message has some link with you. Maybe in some way you have a good name, but you're not living up to your name. But don't take, don't, don't worry. You are God's child and God ain't finished with you yet. 
God ain't finished with you yet. God ain't finished with you yet. When I was a little baby, <clears throat> my Godfather took me and they christened me and they gave me another name, Michael, which it was not on my birth certificate. But they added on that name on my christen, my Christian or baptism certificate, Michael. And I found out that the name Michael means who is like God. But I wasn't acting like God at all. I had a temper. I used to steal. I used to do lots of things. And I could really understand why God decided that when he wanted to change the Henry's family, he started with Michael. Why did God choose me at the age of 12? To be his servant. And since that day when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I've never been the same again. There's no turning back. There's no looking back. And I am glad when I look and see that brother, that sister, my mother, and uh, other relatives in the family, they're coming to the Lord. All account because Michael was the first in the family that came to know the Lord, who is like God. And when God put his hand upon my life, from that day, my life changed. And thank God for what he has done for me. And if he has done that for me, he can do it for you. So if you find that your heart is after God, but sometimes you mess up, Sometimes you slip and slide. And sometimes people take advantage of you because of your goodness. God, overshadowing care is still there. And God will not give you up because you slip. The goodness of God is chasing after you. Oh, love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul on you. I give you back the life I owe. And in thy presence, fullness see. This is my word for you today. That God isn't finished with you yet. Amen. Thank you for listening to the full version of a message preached at the New Birth Gospel Tabernacle Church. Feel free to follow the ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at New Birth SKB. God bless you and have a wonderful day.